With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas y Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving Ra- Leave It in the Ring Radio. God, I can't even say my own show's name, man. Um, man, I'm running late. Running late. Anyways, this is your host, Dave Duenich, with my co-host, Emil Carr, on the other line. And this time, you can hear Emil Carr. Emil Carr, say hello to everybody that's tuning Hello, everybody. <laughs> well, anyone who was listening to Blog, blog Talk heard me filibustering for as long as I could last week. I just right. think I wasn't, uh, you couldn't hear me on YouTube and vice versa. No. Oh, you, well, people could hear me. It was, yeah, it was vice versa, exactly. You could hear me um, on YouTube, but you couldn't hear me on Block Talk, and nobody could hear you on YouTube. Um, but it, but it, was, it was a big old mess. I explained it after, um, you know, and, and uh, well, we're back, and we're here to talk some boxing yep. here on uh, Leaving the Ring. If you want to call in, certainly can. 347-215-7598. We are a, an hour late because of... Uh, Life issues. Um, I had to go take care of some stuff. Um, you know, I had to, actually I had to go pick up my wife at work. We're uh, one car down right now, and uh, hopefully we can get that all sorted out because this was the first time. And what an inconvenience because I was so ready to go on at 5 p.m. Not an inconvenience to my wife, but, you know, not saying that she's inconvenienced, but it's just, you know, you know, rushing. And then I was, like, texting the milk car telling them, like, all right, I'm going to try to be there by 6 because I, I was, like, kind of in that feeling like shit dude we're not going to do a show and we have we have so much to talk about especially from saturday's fight um you know and uh a lot of interesting things to talk about like i mentioned uh last night when i went on live uh late last night on youtube to just let everybody know we were going to be on on monday and things should be going smoothly hopefully everything's going smoothly as of right now all right so let's go into the rundown here on leaving the ring on saturday night on fox sport at the micro theater and Los Angeles, you had uh, the two headlining fights was uh, Erison Lara versus Gary Vendetti. And then you had Alfredo Angulo go in with the, re- with the replacement, which was uh, Vladimir uh, Hernandez. Uh, Hernandez, yeah. Uh, Hernandez, yeah. Let's go into it, Hernandez and Angulo, which was uh, an unanimous decision for Hernandez. He got all the same scorecard, 98-92, across the board from all three judges. They got it right. They saw the right fight that was happening in front of them. Um, nobody had their face mask over their eyes uh, when it came to judging this fight here. Do, let me ask this question here before we get any further about talking and breaking down what Hernandez did against Angulo. Amukar, yeah. or anybody that's listening right now, who's, who's slower, Joe Joyce or Alfredo Angulo? <laughs> Uh, I, as bad as this is going to sound, uh, and I think Joe Joyce is very slow, Angulo was <laughs> l- barely past frozen on, on Saturday. Um, he was like a piece of ice slowly thawing as the fight went on. Uh, it, he made Hernandez look like, uh, you know, Zach Judah like, in the first quarter like, yeah. of the fight. <laughs> I was gonna say that. You know, it made him look like Zab Judah for the first four rounds of a Zab Judah fight. I mean, he was just ripping off combinations, body shots, mixing in the uppercut every now and again. Um I I, I honestly Yeah. As slow pace uh, that it was, I have to admit though, it was really Really entertaining. Um, yeah, it was. You know, Angulo, who I, I, I've met and known and, and, you know, covered when he was in the uh, ICE unit, uh, you know, detained 
then when he mm-hmm. got released, we had him on. Um, I've golfed with Angulo. One hell of a very humble person, all around great guy. You know, uh, yeah. you know anybody that came across him or had a chance to meet him. This guy will take all the time in the world to to sit there with his fans, take pictures with his fans, and everything. You know, so I love Angulo. Before even though we're making jokes right now, Angulo would have even be laughing if he was here, because I, I'm I'm pretty sure he's aware that. Um, he looks like the way the internet used to sound, you know, taking its time to, to pop up on the screen yeah. of your computer. And we're you obviously <laughs> fans of his, and we remember, yeah. like, his wars from, like, it's like yeah. seeing a different fighter. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't like saying that people should retire, but Alfredo Angulo should retire. To me, he wasn't even the biggest 154-pounder when um, when he was fighting. And, I mean... Where does he go no, at he 168? Doesn't. You know, where does he go at 168, which is arguably the deepest weight class in the sport? Um, Clay, Clay Collard, maybe? Would you like to see that? I'd like to see that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I, 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 mean, I don't look, really here, know. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. Yeah. Angulo is not going to retire. He's not. He's just not. It's not going to happen. You know, now he's with Abel yeah. Sanchez. Abel Sanchez was saying this is the best, you know, that that we have not seen, in, you know, seen, haven't seen in a long time. And I'm like, uh, wow, okay, Abel, you know. Um, I don't know what would make you, what would prop you to say that, but. Um, is Abel getting maybe slow? Like, yeah, I, exactly. I you know, so. I was like, that, that, that statement there baffled me very much. So. And with that kind of a statement, and even the reaction after the judges had announced the the um, the scorecard, which again was uh, ninety eight ninety two, Angulo's reaction to that was really like I thought I won this fight, like he was in such disbelief, you know that he had a quicker reaction of what by what the judges said than him throwing punches. To tell you the truth, I that says a lot. Yeah, I mean. It does, and I, don't, I honestly don't really know what to say um, in terms of who he, he, he'd go against. David Lemieux has moved up to 168, right? I don't know, maybe a David Lemieux fight, but I kind of see that as being dangerous. I see that you know, far the, too the, dangerous. I, I mean, I he, think takes that... a, he takes a good shot, but, and that's kind of the problem, you know, because it's that accumulation of punches, um, I don't know, maybe a John Ryder, another Southpaw, but John Ryder Ooh. gave gave, gave uh, Callum Smith all kinds of problems. Exactly. I just don't really see anyone in in. I I don't know. I I think it, he, I think the match that originally that was made with Caleb, if he's going to continue on, it would be against him. You know, but if you and this can't beat Hernandez, here, if you can't beat Hernandez, I mean that really says all you need to know. I know that, right? I know that. Yeah. Yep. I mean Hernandez isn't is far from anything special. I mean, before we got on, on on the show, I was telling you that you can't even, in my books, rate him as a journeyman. I mean, this is a guy yeah. who who comes into fights on last minute notice. Uh, as a as a substitute, I mean, and that's what he was on Saturday. And he was like rifling off <laughs> combinations on Angulo. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing about it, but that question you asked still has me chuckling. <laughs> uh, Outlaw says uh, Abel Sanchez doesn't have any good fighters in his left in his gym. That could be the thing, you know. I think he's hoping that. Angulo is going to come back to life and speed is going to come back in him and uh, which he never really did have. I mean, he was slow even then in his prime at 154, but this is like, I mean, even turtles are faster at the moment, but I mean, he still made a good fight. Yeah. He did make a good fight. In in fact, it was more exciting to me than the main event, but Abel Sanchez needs to, needs to stop it. I mean, he's sounding like Joe Biden when he's reading, when he's not reading a speech or is off teleprompter, you know, (laughs) 
it, it that that's just crazy. I mean, anyone who's seen Angulo in his prime knows that that's obviously not the case. No, no, it's not. You know, the thing that Angulo carries that you would hope that some fighters had was a, a guy that can absorb punishment the way he does. He knows who he is. He knows that he's never going to have slick feet, fast hands, good head movement. Um, it, it's just not there. Uh, and uh, my, my concern is like your guys' concern and everybody else is that he's going to get hurt. But here's a guy that was robbed of, of time of him uh, getting big fights because he was detained without, you know, you know, from his will of, of being here in the States. Um, you know, there's some backstories of why he was uh, by a certain promoter that was upset that he didn't want to re-sign a deal. You know, don't, don't quote yeah. me on that, but that's the rumor. Um, so I showed up and detained him and they were trying to deport him and everything. And so he had lost some time. So, I have a soft spot for him because I have, in some way, I'm thinking maybe he's, he, you know, he's kind of trying to play catch up a bit here because, you know, this was stolen from him. You know, the it right was. to feed his family and the right to be in the ring and possibly the right to see the best of Angulo of what was left of his career. He was robbed of showing the world that and he's trying to play, you know, catch up. And fortunately, though, he he doesn't have a way to re, to uh, introvert his career, and uh, so we could see that it's not going to happen here. I mean, once you, you know, if you're not a heavyweight and you lost like all your speed, like he has, it's tough to see him winning any fights against top people. You know, I mean, it maybe yeah. he moves down to, to middleweight, he gets some of his speed back. I, I don't know. I mean. Maybe a fight with, like, Jaime Munguia or somebody like that might make sense. I mean, Jaime is not the fastest either. But um, I'm just thinking about big names out there that might work. Because, you know, you look down the rankings, the other people don't really have big names. I don't really think it would make sense, at least in the United States. Well, the name of Angulo El Perro is still very recognizable, and it still is going to draw people to watch. And the majority of people that were tuning in that I saw on social media – we're really tuning in to watch Perro to see what was going to happen, how he looked. Yeah. Uh, was it a fluke against Kid Chocolate, who was very inactive at that time, too? Um, but it was surprising. To me, it was a bit of an upset. Um, but I was, real, I was being a realistic person saying, like... What, okay, against Quian? Against Quian, it was a yeah. big upset. But I think Quian, the way he was even talking, he was like halfway out the door in terms of boxing. Right. Right, absolutely. You know, and... Um, I'm wondering if the Hernandez fight is a, is a sign that you should hang him up. I don't think it is, man, to tell you the truth. I think with Angulo, the reaction after the 98-92 the scorecards, I, I think he thinks, I won that fight. And if he does, I think the more, I think the fight between him and Hernandez, if, if, if it could be made, uh, should be a rematch. But I a think rematch? That's more of a real, yeah, um, a rematch. I think that's yeah, more I mean, realistic that, that's a good point. going off. We don't need, yeah, we don't need to see him really at all unless he rematches and wins against Hernandez convincingly. And I think that's a fight that can be made on another PBC undercard. So you're, yeah, I think you're right yeah. about that. That's a story there. Yeah. There is a story yeah. there, you know. I mean, um, you know, like Nado says in the chat room, uh, Angulo should be fighting – uh, low-level prospects in journeyman boxes, and that's fine. Absolutely, I agree with you. I, I absolutely agree with you. And look, if he's looking for bigger money, I think it's a dangerous fight for him, but I think it's not that dangerous because this guy's limited as well in his boxing skills, would be against uh, Clay Collard. Uh, I, I think that that is a good fight for him because he's, he should make a good chunk of change there, you know. Um, but other than that, moving away from Clay... I, I I don't want to see him get in there with somebody in their prime and get just get, you know, sparked up and possibly get really hurt, you know. I mean, Hernandez yeah. is landing some flush shots, but, you know. But he's also not a guy that's really known for his punching power. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, the, yeah. you know, we don't know the, the, the extent of damage, but we do know this. We, don't, we do know that the extensive damage is when you get an accumulation of punches. 
Okay, so that's the one thing that that I think Sanchez and Team Perro need to sit back and kind of look at and say, do we continue on? You know, um, man, if I, I, you know, I would say like yourself and and most folks is uh, if you can't, I would hang them up. That's pretty much. And I don't think I would have to make a speech. Yeah. So what do you think of the main event? Okay, so let's move on with the main event here. You got Arizona Lottie versus Gary Vendetti, um, which was the scorecards is 116-12 uh, and then 117-12 uh, twice uh, in, uh, Los, in Los Angeles. Um, you know, I, I said this. I thought that maybe if Laura's legs uh, looked a little bit more shot, um, you know, if it had to force them to stand and trade, you might, we might have gotten a much better fight. But what we got was even even at at a kind of declining Laura, he's a far better fighter than than what Gary was able to possess, you know, pre- uh, present in that fight, you know. So uh, this was a typical Laura fight, which is that he doesn't look for the KO unless he has to. He's okay with boxing. He's okay with boring the audience uh, because for him it's all about getting the win and getting closer to to fighting one of the other belt holders in his weight division. So, you know, I think after the second, third round, I really didn't have a prayer for Gary for, you know, at all. I was like, okay, this is going to be a Laura, a Laura Knight, and that's pretty much what we got, um, you know, which was another night which we saw last week with uh, Sean Porter. A stay busy fight yeah. for them to, to continue on to get closer to another belt holder. Uh, but, you know, the thing was that Sean Porter made his fight with the other guy, uh, Formella. Uh, they made it a bit more exciting. You know, at least Formella had, uh, you know, try to, try to impose his will and his skill over Porter, push him back. Uh, Mendetti couldn't do that. He's too small. No. I mean, he was tiny, bro. You know, he was really small think, in there. So, Yeah, I think Formella was a much better fighter than Vendetti, and Formella's biggest problem was he just didn't have a punch that uh, Porter had to respect. Saturday night with Lara, uh, I was pretty impressed by him, to be honest. I know it wasn't very exciting to watch. I actually mm-hmm. watched the first four rounds and then fast-forwarded it because I was getting tired. I had already watched a lot of boxing and uh, watched you the that remainder of it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I, I watched the remainder of it later. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Lara's jab is really good. His footwork yeah. is, is excellent. And he's got yeah. that kind of a whipping whipping backhand punch that punishes you if you do happen to get around the jab, which Vendetti didn't really do very often. Um, Vendetti just was a man without ideas or maybe the skills to execute his ideas. He was too square, wasn't using angles, couldn't get under and around um, uh, Lara's jab often enough. And when he did, he ate hooks and, and like I said, whipping uh, right hands. He's got that kind of you know, a whipping punch. He does. You know, the thing, look, I, impre- I can't be impressed. I can't be impressed yeah. because the prime, the prime Laura would have probably knocked him out. You know, he would have at least uh, caught him coming in because Gary. Yeah, I agree. I just meant for his age. Yeah, for his age. Yeah, for his age. I, you know, I Prime would, Laura would have would have knocked him out for sure. Exactly because you know, Mendetti didn't impose anything, you know, and uh, I I would I think I would have been I I expected like I said if he was if his legs were under him he was able to move and do resemble what the Prime Laura who the Prime Laura was uh, this should have been an easy fight and it did it ended up being exactly that. But what would have would have been impressed me is if that he would have went for the KO, yeah, and got it. But because he had a guy that didn't pose a threat at all, but instead no. we saw a guy that that worked the ring and uh, played it safe against a guy that didn't have a prayer, and and that and that to me was like okay, this is Laura still showing us that he's not fully back. I mean, there's there's no fully come back from him, you know, and uh, it also showed me that somebody with pressure, somebody with size is, is 
going to show us how old Laura is. And <coughs> Daddy just couldn't do it at all. He just couldn't show, he couldn't show us the age of Laura, of who he is at this, at this time, on Saturday night. We just didn't get that from him at all. Uh, if you guys want to call in, certainly can. 347-215-7598 here on Leaving the Ring. We're going to open up the phone lines in about another five minutes here. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel and hit that like button and that bell so you know when we go live here. Uh, what's up to Omar Naro uh, Fernando? Um, and uh, anybody else that's uh, watching the show here live. Uh, any last thoughts about Laura? What do you think, man? You think that, that he's going to get the opportunity to face uh, Rosario and Charlo or even the, the chance of maybe uh, Jared Hurd uh, or, or J-Rock? I'd rather see him. Honestly, I'll tell you this. I think he needs to stay clear away, away from uh, Rosario. Even if, if, if Rosario wins, I think he needs to stay away from him, okay? I know that he's going to test himself. I know he thinks he can still get in there with this young gun. I just don't think he has a chance in a prayer because that style for him, especially with his, with his legs, um, um, though it did look fresh against Vendetti, it to me could be a bit deceiving. And Rosario is going to really put the pressure on him. Uh, Charlo, a fight with Charlo would be completely different. But then again, when Charlo gets aggressive, he could be that guy. His size is a big factor. J-Rock, to me, is the guy, because he's been knocked out so vicious, and he took such a massive beating and a hard beating from Rosario Banana that I, I think that that fight may tell us a little bit about both men, of where they go and move on to the career. You know, do they still have anything left to face the young Lions in that division? That's the fight that I think I would like to go. Heard I don't know where he's at. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, the last time we saw him, he looked like a completely different fighter. But, Emil Carl, what do you think, man? I would personally like to see him rematch Hurd. Um, I like revenge matches. Lennox Lewis is one of my yeah. favorite fighters of all times. And one of the reasons I respected him so much was the fact that he revenged his losses. And um, so I'd like to see Lara take, take on Hurd. And, and see what he can do. Um, I mean, his other losses are against Paul Williams, who he can't uh, rematch, although I thought he he uh, did really well against Paul Williams. I actually thought he won that fight, and I don't see him getting a Canelo fight anytime soon. So, yeah, Jarrett Hurd is the person I'd like to see him fight, and then if he's successful, uh, you know, maybe then he takes on the winner of, the, uh, of Rosario's fight. Um, but he's got that... WBA regular title. Um, my guess is he'll probably continue to defend it for as long as PBC can kind of milk that. And yeah, but ideally, I would like to see him face uh, Jared Hurd. That that would be a fight. The only thing is, is that Jared Hurd has really kind of been MIA. I haven't heard much. Yeah, uh, he's not on any schedule. Kind of like Wilder. <laughs> and he, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so. I think even worse than Wilder, you know. Um, yeah. he, he, you know, he when he lost to J Rock, he came back. I said he didn't look like himself at all. He seemed like he wanted to be a different fighter. I don't, I don't know if they're still trying to figure out the pieces to the puzzle, and in the gym, I don't, I don't know if he's in the gym uh, or anything. So that's why I would campaign Laura versus J Rock. I think it would be a great comeback for J Rock. Uh, you know. Um, see where J-Rock is at, and to see if uh, Laura, the old man, is if he's still got enough to be, you know, a, a, a good fighter. Because even though J-Rock uh, took that beating from Rosario, I wouldn't completely write him off yet because he did make a great comeback after being knocked out by Charlo by beating uh, who a lot of guys were referring to as a, as a, as a black margarito, which was Jared Hurd. And look what he did. Yeah. With, right? So... I'd mm-hmm. like to see where both guys are at, you know, especially where J-Rock's head's at. Um, you know, does he make a huge statement against Laura? Or is Laura, is this a good step, you know, closer step? If he beats J-Rock convincingly or even knocks him out, is it a closer step to be more convincing that he's ready for the guys that are 154 um, title holders? And I think that's going to be a good fight, actually, uh, between Charlo and, and uh, Rosario. I think that I'm actually really looking forward fight. to that fight. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. 
excellent fight, man. I can't wait. What's up, Hobman? What's going on, brother? Uh, glad that you can make it here on Leaving the Ring. Again, we're going to open up the phone lines as soon as we talk about Jose Ramirez and Victor Postal. And then we'd like to hear your guys' take. And if you guys were happy with the scorecard and the judging from that fight, okay? So let's go with, uh, you know, uh, Victor Postal and Jose Ramirez happened 12 rounds of boxing. It was at the MGM Conference Center in Las Vegas. Scorecards were 114, 114, 115, 113, and 116, 112. And that was a majority decision for Jose Ramirez. Uh, Amilcar, give me your take, bro. What did you think? Um, I felt it was that kind of a classic fight between the uh, boxer and the pressure fighter. Um, we knew a Postal has a good jab. Um, I just didn't think that he punished him enough with his right hand. Um, obviously, he's not the greatest inside fighter, and he didn't really want to engage there. So, you know, he, he did what he could on the inside, but I felt that when he had right. the outside advantage that yes, he was touching him with the jab and it was a very good jab. And I felt that he was effective when he threw the right hand, but I just didn't feel that he, he did enough with that, with that, um, with that right hand and w- with hooks. And I, I, I mean, if I was coaching him, I would have suggested he throw s- some uppercuts as well. Um, I wasn't impressed fully really by by Ramirez um even he admitted after the fight that it wasn't his greatest performance I felt that the fight though was telling in terms of a possible match between Josh Taylor and Ramirez and at this point I'm I'm I have to pick uh, Josh Taylor um because mm. unlike unlike Postal Josh Taylor can bang on the inside and um, he does have power from the from the outside in that mid range. So, you know, maybe Ramirez will show us some levels that he didn't have to show us against Postal. Um, but based on that performance, I I'd have to favor uh, Josh Taylor at this point. Interesting. Five fans, you want to call in? Certainly can. Three four seven two one five seven. Sorry, let me say it again. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight here on Leaving Ring. What's up, G Funk? How you doing, brother? Um, you know, man, listen, I, I thought that that first round when Postal was trying to establish his jab and Jose Ramirez was kind of, you know, swatted away like a fly in front of his face, I thought, okay, this is gonna be exactly what a lot of us thought, which was Jose Ramirez was gonna run through him. Um, Victor Postal just, you know, really hadn't shown me that he can put it all together. I thought that he needed to have fresh legs. Uh, he definitely needed to bring that jab. And then the second round comes out. And guess what? That's exactly who we said needed to be present on Saturday night in Las Vegas, in the bubble. Victor Bosa went out there and he started jabbing him. And he kept his distance. And it really puzzled Jose Ramirez. Now, I don't know whether it's because, you know, what was going on with COVID and all that. I don't want to make excuses. What I want to make is the fact that Victor Postal and Freddie Roach had a good, excellent plan. Freddie Roach understands who his fighter is, which is what you had mentioned, Milkar, which is fighting the outside. He doesn't have an inside fight game at all. Um, You know, his right hand is beautiful when he drops it. And I thought he was dropping his right hand a whole lot. The credit is that, you know, Jose Ramirez, to me, after that fifth round and the talk that Robert Garcia gave Jose Ramirez, because the truth is, I thought, just like Timothy Bradley thought and a lot of other folks thought, he was down on those cards, and I had him winning the second, third, fourth, and fifth round. But Robert Garcia, being a good trainer and an honest trainer, uh, as, he, as much as he can be, tell, told this fighter, you're losing this fight. You got to go out there. Got to let your hands go. You got to get in the inside. Stop staying in the outside. Jose Ramirez took it to heart, and he went out there, and he put work, okay? He went out there, and he put work. He tried to get in there, and he started banging with them, and his left hook started landing. He started using his jab, and he saw that his jab was being successful against a taller guy. It started to look better, you know? The thing with Victor Posto is that I give him credit. He's got a good jaw. And as well as... Oh, he does. Even though... He does. 
and and as much as Jose Garcia Rodriguez was trying to impose himself on top of him and take over, I did see a Victor Postal try to try to get it back, regain his poser and keep that distance. But it was Jose not having any of that. Became competitive. Competitive. I thought that Jose took over, started winning those last rounds, and I honestly think that the other round that Postal won was, I believe, it was the. God, I think it was 11th or 12th. I don't, I don't have anything written down, you know, but, you know, um, and so I was okay with, with Jose Ramirez winning that fight. You know, I thought that Jose won. I thought it was very close. But then I think some folks can make a great argument saying that it was a draw, you know. I but agree. I think that Victor Postal really needed to kind of dig deep and, and, and do a little bit more in those later rounds because – those last rounds are going to kind of like the standing rounds for the judges. You know, um, those last rounds are the ones, the championship rounds are the ones that the judges really kind of pay attention. And I saw that Victor just couldn't, you know, press, press on the gas a little bit more to show that he wanted those rounds. You know, he tried in the last 15 seconds, but that just wasn't enough, you know, and he didn't really leave a big, you know, uh, uh, an overall statement in my opinion. And I think that's what cost him the fight. Yeah, um, honestly, I think another thing that cost him the fight, too, is, is his age. Um, I, I have no doubt that a younger Victor Postal would have beat the Ramirez that showed up Saturday. Right. But he's 36 years old now, which is you know, pretty old for a 140-pounder. And yeah. obviously, he I would say he doesn't have the kind of legs in the middle to later rounds that he would have needed. But like you, I thought he was doing very well in the in the opening rounds. I have no idea what fight Andre Ward was watching. And, you know, <laughs> I expressed some of my frustration about Andre Ward with you, uh, too. Right. I mean, I met Andre Ward. He, he was a nice guy when I met him. But he just comes across as extremely arrogant on these on these telecasts. There's not a single point that Tim Bradley makes that he doesn't think he, he needs to counter. It's like almost as if they're boxing uh, while I'm watching the fight. And, you know, he interjects himself, even when he's discussing, like, the personal stories of fighters, he, like, puts himself uh, into right. it. He did that on the undercard fight. And I just don't think he was giving Victor Postal any credit at all for what he was doing. And what was very interesting to me about that is Victor Postal was winning those rounds the way Andre Ward often won rounds, you know? I mean, yes. Andre, you know, Andre Ward fought behind the jab and every now and again hit you, hit you with power punches, but he was happy to fight behind that jab. And he, he's not the kind of fighter that fights the way Ramirez does. So I, I just didn't understand what I felt was like extreme bias on his part. You know, well, both guys have, like I told you, are starting to get underneath my skin or kind of irritate, annoying me. Let's say that. They are starting to annoy me. Yeah. Tim Bradley and, and Andre Ward, because uh, to me, it's, it's kind of like they, they both come at each other with this fighter arrogance, okay? We both know, we all know, guys, you guys are fighters. We all know you guys are accomplished fighters, okay? We don't need to be reminded every single time. And, you know, um, but I agree with you. When anytime Timothy Bradley says something, he's got something to say. And he does, you know, Bradley, Bradley will say something that I will go like, that's a good point, you know. But Ward would interject himself by knocking it down or adding to it, you know. And sometimes the add-on is just like, that's exactly what Tim Bradley just said, you know. Um, yeah, and then a lot, a lot of times what Bradley, I've been, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, no, go for it. I was just going to say, it's not that Tim Bradley's right all the time. I mean, everyone's right and wrong. It's just that Andre Ward it makes, makes it seem as if Tim Bradley's like always wrong, regardless of what the point is. And, and it was during the Barbosa fight on the undercard where he was, uh, Joe Tessitore was like describing, you know, the difficulties Barbosa faced. And he's like, yeah, you know, fighters have to face these adversities. You know, actually, that happened to me too. And it's like, he constantly does that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, and, you know, and this, or he, and like actually, this, it was yeah. even worse. You know, yeah. yeah. Or he belittles the fans. It's like, 
oh, most people, when they're watching a fight, they don't see this. But when I'm watching a fight, blah, 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 blah. It's like, nah, actually, a lot of people who, watch, who are watching the fights have fought or have also, you know, uh, been watching boxing a long time, Andre. Let me ask you this. And everybody yeah. that's listening and even in the chat room, we're going to open up the phone lines right now. Just one minute here, three, four, seven, two, and five, seven, five, nine, eight. Don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell button. So you're notified when we go on live and hit the like button for us. Okay. Uh, so we're on that YouTube rotation here. I'm trying to work on this YouTube channel here, guys. Help me out. Don't forget to hit mm-hmm. that like button for me. Um, who is more, if you're forced, if you're forced to listen to a commentary, who could you sit through? Timothy Bradley and Andre Ward together, or Sergio Martinez and Chris Mannix, or Goosen and Lennox Lewis on Fox Sports? Who, who would be your choice? I'm definitely going Goosen and Lennox Lewis. Goosen and Lennox Lewis. That's because, right there, be, Goosen. Because they, they're, they're not out there trying to argue or uh, prove that one is more knowledgeable than the other. One makes his point, great. Another makes his point, also great. And I also don't think that they interject themselves too much. I don't think so either. I think, you know, what Goosen, what I like about Goosen is he's obviously he gives you the opinion of a trainer's eye. Yes. And then then Lennox, you know, adds to it as a fighter. Mm Mm-hmm. So I like that. You know, I really do. Whereas you have two fighters, when you have two fighters – on the panel, one the egos you're gonna see the egos automatically just kind of spark up, you know, because one guy wants to sound smarter than the other, and that's what I get with Bradley and Ward. You know, they you know they they start kind of throwing this uh, machismo against each other, you know. And like I said, it's almost like a wave of who who's done more in the sport. Uh, but then when it goes to the zone, I like uh, 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 Sergio Mora, but yeah. I. When Chris Mannix starts talking about certain things, because we all know that Chris is really not a boxing guy, you know, I mean, no. you know, that's not his first love, you know, and Sergio Martinez sometimes um, can start talking about something that's very in depth that Chris Mannix has no clue in what they're talking about, you know, uh, where, whereas if you have Mark Kriegel on there. Mark Kriegel at least goes to the gyms. He's in the, in the, you know, the gym circuits. He checks out fighters. He would have a lot more knowledge to be able to interact or even debate Sergio Mora on certain things. But, you know, uh, Regal uh, uh, is, on, uh, is on ESPN. So, ESPN, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't think the zone did a very good job of putting together the boxing team overall. I mean, you've got Dude, Jack and Barack, two cartoon characters. Um, as part of their team, although obviously, unlike uh, an interview, like they take clothes to Canelo and you know dress them up and stuff. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And then you have, uh, you know, and then and then you have uh, Mannix. I mean, you know, to me, Mannix at best should be doing what Brian Kenny's doing. Um, uh, actually, no, Brian Kenny's actually really good. I, I meant to say someone who's like behind the, not behind the mic during the fights, but kind of leading into it. Well, like, like the lady on Fox sports, uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb plants wife. He should be doing something like that, but uh, I don't really need to hear him like during the fights. For Fernando enjoys Mora and Mannix banter. Um, I don't actually tune in and listen. I mean, actually, when they start talking, you know what, I kind of like throw that volume down. You know, what I listen to when it's the zone. Yeah. This is my. Yeah. I think my go-to is G Funk's channel because G Funk does the commentary. <laughs> I actually enjoy that. Oh yeah. A lot more. I'll tune Maybe in. I do, yeah, Maybe I'll put I on do that more often. Yeah. I mean, yeah, also I the reason I don't like. Yeah, the reason I don't like the banter. It's like, bro, shut the fuck up. Like. You're talking to Sergio Mota, like he actually fought. He actually won a world title. Like I, yeah. I keep hearing the Floyd voice in my head saying, "You don't know shit about boxing." <laughs> oh man, it's a tough job. 
I, I'm going to definitely say it's a very tough job. Let's open up the phone lines here on Leaving the Ring, 347-215-7598. Let's talk some boxing. Uh, first caller is, as always, our homeboy here, Fernando. What's up, brother? You're on live right now on Leaving the Ring. What's hey. on your mind? Hey, what's up, Big Dave? What's up, Amilcar? How you guys doing? How's it going, now, Good, no. brother. Good, man. Glad, I'm, uh, it's nice to hear. Well, you too, Dave, but it's always good to hear from Amilcar, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm real happy. I'm happy you're on the show today. Um, Thanks, Nando. Good to hear from you oh, too. No good, brother. Good. I'm like, hopefully, hopefully you're doing well. Um. So I, I don't know, we kind of talked about it on Twitter, Dave, but like I'm starting to like I'm still on the bandwagon for Ramirez, right? Like I, you know, I, I'm a fan of his. Right? Me too. Still, Me too. Yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. Same. I'm starting. To, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he's not in the same kind of category as Mikey Garcia. Where he doesn't really belong at welterweight, man. Like I know uh, Bob Arum has really been pushing that that agenda, right? Where the winner of uh, Taylor and uh, Ramirez are going to fight uh, Crawford sometime next year. But to be honest, I'm not sure if that's in the best interest of either fighter, Taylor or uh, or Ramirez. And especially Ramirez, I was watching the fight, and to me, Postel looked a lot bigger than Ramirez. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure if Ramirez has the size or power for a welterweight. No. You know? And, you and should not you be a welterweight. No, and then you're gonna have the, you know you're gonna have a Mikey Garcia and and Jose Ramirez as just opponents at welterweight, you know, uh, B side, you know, and I'm not sure that's 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 your prison. especially if you're Ramirez at, at junior welterweight. Not only do you have you know maybe a couple fights with Taylor, you don't even know how that turns out. You also have a bunch of lightweights, charismatic lightweights that might be moving up, you know. Uh, you got absolutely. You got Devin Haney, you got uh, Ryan Garcia, and you got Delfimo Lopez, right? So for yep, me, yes. I would run away on those guys to, to move up, hang out for them, then then to uh, fight maybe uh, Bud Crawford, get my butt kicked for not a very big paycheck because I'm not even sure there's a big that big of a jackpot with fighting Crawford, you know? So because I, I don't think he sells pay per views, he he's not at all charismatic. I mean, he, he he talks a lot on Twitter, but as far as in real life, he's not you know. It's kind of boring, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I agree. Ramirez yeah. moving up just serves uh, one purpose, and that's helping Terrence Crawford find an opponent, which also helps Bob Arum. It doesn't, to me, benefit yeah. Ramirez at all. I, I see a fight between Ramirez and Lomachenko or a Teofimo Lopez being a bigger fight, actually, uh, financially, than the fight with Crawford. And yep. he, let's face facts. Like you said, he does not belong at the welterweight division. He's he's not no. even the biggest 140 pounder. No. No, he's not. Uh, and I, I, I agree that, with you, Fernando. His punch is not there. He doesn't have that crack. You know, he's a volume puncher. That's something that, that, that you know, is uh, even his team's got to admit. He's a volume guy. He wears you down, you know. He's not a one-punch hitter. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, he, I mean, if he was, then, then Polster would have been out of there when he landed big shots. But mm-hmm. the reason why Victor, Victor Polster wasn't able to get out of there, get stopped, is because Victor Polster actually had legs and he was moving. So he didn't accumulate a lot of punishment from Jose Ramirez. Ramirez wasn't able to overwhelm him with his style. And that's what I was impressed by Polster's. But to have any talks about him moving up, at this moment, don't see it, and it shouldn't happen. He's got some unfinished business. I'm not going to judge him completely of what he, how he looked and performed against Victor Postal because I think at the end of the day, the height, the jab, and even that right hand, it may not be one of those, you know, good night pills that we, you know, from other uh, big punchers, but I think that Victor Postal's right hand is very accurate that it makes you think twice of coming straight in. So, I, I, I'm still interested in seeing how well Jose Ramirez is going to perform against a Taylor, and uh, I still think it's a very even 50-50 fight in my book. You know, there, there's a lot of fights for him at, at Jiren Walter, not just the lightweights, right? There's still, like, you know, a fight out there with the – I know Pro Gray already signed with the PBC. Pro Gray is out there, out there yeah. For, yeah, that's a fight that's available to him. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight against uh, Hooker again. That was a really good fight. I really enjoyed that one. Oh, yeah. And and, and 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 to be honest, like uh, Ramirez has had trouble with these kind of, these type of fires before. I mean, a couple of years ago when he fought a uh, Zapata, a lot it was kind of a similar situation. A lot of people thought he lost that fight. Right. You know? 
I didn't think he lost either fight personally, but I do see where somebody could think he lost, you know, either against Sapeda uh, or this weekend against uh, Postal. You know, I don't think Postal did, did quite enough to win the fight, but, you know, it exactly. was definitely a competitive fight. He struggled. Fight. He struggled. I mean, that's the reality. You know I mean? You, you know what? I'd rather have my uh, the fighter that, that, that I have on the pedestal, I'd rather see him struggle then just see him blow through guys every single time because to me that doesn't make it a very interesting, uh, uh, you know, an interesting fight to tune in. This fight was supposed to be one-sided, and instead what we got was two very game guys that showed us a great display of each other in the, in the ring. It was a ring of drama, which we all tune in for. So, again, styles make fights, and I said this on Twitter, styles make fights, and Postal Styles obviously was very troublesome for Jose Ramirez, but I wouldn't write him off. Who who would you um? My question is who who would you like to see the men's fight next? If not uh, Taylor, just out of, just out of curiosity. I well the WBO is ordering right now. Good. I was just gonna say WBO is trying to in, you know intervene and try to order that an England mandatory fighter who's been waiting for his turn, Jack uh, Catterall, to uh, get Catterall, that opportunity. I was about to say that. Yeah, and that would be a great fight, especially if COVID, you know, is resolved somehow. He can go over to the UK and use it kind of to build up uh, and a, a, a fight with Taylor and make it even bigger because Jack Catterall is from out there. Have him and, on a cold beat. How about that? Yeah, you know, and that builds a big I, fight I, over I, in England, you know? Yeah. I would we're put, not going to have him fight in the United States. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great we're, idea, we're that's a great idea because we're how, when we're gonna have fights in the United States, we're kind of like the leper colony of the of the whole world right now, you know. Mm-hmm. So if any big fights happen, more likely to happen in the United States, excuse me, in the UK than in the United States. But uh, hey, I appreciate you guys taking my phone call. I don't want to like take up all the time. Uh, it was really good to hear from you, Milkar, and uh, thank you, David. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. And Kenny's coming back. Yeah, Kenny's coming back. Yeah, uh, um, he's uh, he's fixing everything. It's almost ready. And he'll be back. Hopefully, I think it's – I'm hoping it's next week he's back. So let everybody know here uh, on Leaving the Ring. Thanks, uh, Fernando. Really appreciate it, man. I think we got um, – I think we have Hamed on the line as well here. Hamed, are you there, brother? What's up? Yeah, hello, Dave. Uh, How's it going, mate? Good, Good man. Ahmed. Long time no talk to you. got to be late out there in, in, in Wales. Yeah, it's late. Yeah, I was just sorting something out. Uh, I've just seen you guys were on. I haven't heard from Anoka. I knew uh, he was on, I think, last week, but I couldn't hear what you were saying. I think he's on YouTube, but I'm not sure if he's on Blog Talk as well. But I thought I'd call him because I watched the fight the other night, and I pretty much mm-hmm. agree with a lot of the things you guys are saying. I, I just called the fight to draw, but it wasn't a robbery. I, I just hate it when people say stuff like that when it's a close fight. Like, that takes the shine off the fight, although there were some people trying to make it out like Ramirez won 8-9 to nine rounds. He uh, was far no, from crazy. a decided fight. Whichever way you thought uh, the guy won, I can't see... I just can't see one or the other guy winning 8-9 to nine rounds. I can see how some people might have had Ramirez uh, winning 8 rounds. I think it might, might have been about a round out, but I think the right guy won. Like Those are fair scorecards. Uh, I had right. throw, but seven five Ramirez. I could see that there was a round I believe I gave uh, to Postol. I was thinking that that's a toss up round, but right. I, I don't know about Ramirez moving up to welterweight. Even fighting Josh Taylor is listed to both five ten. I personally think Josh Taylor might be too big for him. I was up Taylor Progre. Mm. I saw I wasn't too far from the ring. I saw Progre take some big right hands. Um, I could see Josh Taylor fighting now welterweight and competing with some of the guys. Uh, personally, I don't think neither guy will beat Crawford, but I think Ramirez uh, will lose. Uh, he's come close now a couple of times, but that's still a good fight. I personally think a better fight would have been Ramirez and Progre. I'm not sure what you guys think, but I think that was, that would have been a really good fight. That would be an awesome fight, man, to tell you the truth. I actually would love to see that next. You know, but, um, you know, I mean, they're going, Ramirez, I mean, Ramirez and his team have been pretty clear. Their message has been pretty clear of what they're after. You know, they want to unify the division. 
they want that Josh Taylor. Uh, Progies just kind of, uh, you know, I mean, I, I like what Progies is doing on Twitter. You know, he stayed in his case. He's trying to a- antagonize them. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what he can need, continue need to do and stuff, you know. The, the problem is, though, is uh, if the WBO, which the the purse bid is supposed to go in um, negotiation, I believe in, what, two weeks or something like that, I think I read, um, you know, Progy may be the guy standing out there, but Josh Taylor may, I don't know if he would be willing to give uh, uh, Regis a, a, a rematch, you know. Um, I'm not sure if they want to risk that because it takes away if he loses uh, against Jose Ramirez, because that was such a good fight as well, you know, pretty close. Um, yeah. But, um, I, I, you know, do you, yeah. do you think, the, do you think they'd want to risk the mandatory as well? Like, I guess you don't think we need to see that fight. I know, I know we want right. to see it for all the belts, but we know, we know the number one and two guy is, uh, Post, right. not Pasta, sorry, Just Taylor and Ramirez. Yeah, it's sometimes right. hard to make fights for undisputed. Like, I personally think it's the same with Fury and uh, Joshua as well. I posted on Twitter, like, uh, I'd rather, if they can't make the fight with, uh, if they can't make the fights with Fury and Joshua and uh, Taylor and uh, Ramirez for all the belts, I'd rather they just vacate the WBO belt post guys. Uh, Joshua and what's his name, Ramirez. I'd rather right. just see the two fights because uh, Taylor's fighting, I believe, in two weeks or is it next week, something like that. And if if uh, Ramirez fights Catterall, I'm not sure if Josh Taylor will want to sit around. Like he could have a fight that he could I don't lose. Think so. like, uh, either of these yeah. guys could lose, obviously. So yeah, I think and you know what? Here's the just thing: fight each other. I think that's what's going to happen because you know, as we know, top rank they will pay step aside money. And also, because here's the thing is that they, they, the, the fight has is, is already been brewed up enough that fans want to see it. And, and if, if, if Bob Arum's plan is to move up Ramirez or Taylor, this is the best way of doing it, saying that, that you know, by making a backstory for the case for either one of those guys winning, unifying, saying that, Crawford now faces a guy that got a, a guy that's moving up that did exactly what he did before he moved up to welterweight, and it makes it a, a good story, a backstory for them to face each other. It's a more of a sellable fight. So I think that's where Bob is headed to, and I've I think that that's this, the right move. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I I want to see uh, Terence Crawford fight a welterweight. You know, I I don't need to continue to see him fighting uh, guys moving up in weight or fighting uh, guys that are not championship-level welterweights. Josh Taylor fights on September 26th, actually. It's another studio fight um, at the BT Studios. So he's fighting a a Thai fighter. So we'll see how that goes for him. But, um, yeah, I I know that's Bob Arum's plan, David, but like Nando, I, I just don't think it's good for either Taylor or for Ramirez, given the amount of talent that's still at 140 and that's at 135 and can move up. It's, you I, know what, listen, I agree, I, I, I agree with you guys. Right. But here's the yeah. thing is that we got to remember Bob is trying to make whatever back he put into Crawford. Okay. And like I said, I mean, it's a business by the end of the day. And I think what, like, it, like I said, he won't play with the other promoters until he's uses yeah. up all his resources. So this is a reality right. that he knows that he could sell this to the casuals. He could sell this fight. Why? Because you have a unified 140 now moving up to, to fight, to face one of the guys that's considered the pound for pound in boxing and also did the same accomplishment of the guy moving up. So it I makes mean, it that a just sounds like a to sell. Yeah, it just, just sounds like a Bob problem. It doesn't sound like a it, like it a Ramirez problem. Is. You know, Ramirez you know is a guy is, who can sell on. sell twenty thousand seats. You know, right? He it's can a, go on a, a little Bob. on a little world tour and defend his titles a bit. Like, I get that Bob's right, in a right, in a tight spot. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll say this. Uh, when Garcia fought Usyk, uh, that was for all the belts. I thought the same yeah. thing. If Garcia wins, I don't want him to move up to heavyweight because I thought. He'd be outsized, and he, he was big enough. But when Usyk won, 
I thought Usyk would have a chance against guys like AJ, guys like uh, Dilla White, or whatever. Obviously, unless he unless he goes straight into him, I think uh, big fights he would struggle. I thought yeah. if he, uh, what's the word? If he climbs to the get used to the weight, he'd uh, he he would get on because he he's a big guy. Like as amateur, he fought I right. think a heavyweight. Uh, Josh Taylor, I was at the program fight. I thought Josh Taylor. Looked like a much bigger guy than Progre, and I think he's bigger than Ramirez as well. So I think I could see if he wins and he wins emphatically against Ramirez, down the line I think him and Crawford could be a big fight. I mean, who is Crawford meant to fight if he can't get guys like Thurman, uh, right. Pacquiao well, in the ring? That's Ahmed. That's not Josh, I mean, that's not Crawford, Josh Taylor. That's not Josh Taylor's problem. And as no, long as Josh Taylor can make one forty. Maybe he's struggling to make 140. I don't know, but hmm. if he's not struggling to make 140, I would just stay stay right at 140. I mean, no, but I think he like, said he wants to move up. If you've won all the belts yeah. and you're a big guy who's okay, I mean, I, I wouldn't say struggling, but having problems cutting down. I mean, what else is there to do? Because uh, once you clean that division out, I can't think of any other guys that at that weight class. Like he's already beaten Postal and Progre. And if he beats Ramirez, uh, I agree though. If Ramirez mm-hmm. wins, I don't know if he should really move up, uh, even if he's cleaned no. out. Because I still want to see Ramirez and Progre fight, and I don't think Ramirez is big enough. But if we got to look at Crawford, he's also a guy who's come up from lightweight. So I I know he's obviously a big guy as well himself as a welterweight. But if him and Josh Taylor fight, that could be a fight that the size difference ain't that big. I would right. well, not, but we got to see how Just Taylor gets on. And guys, yeah. and guys we got to remember this: this is prize fighting. Both those guys, Jose Ramirez and even Josh Taylor, and it's a great point what Ahmed said. He beat all these guys already. If he beats Jose Ramirez, mm-hmm. he beat them. Well, the bigger well, money the is to move up and go after Crawford. Yeah, that's that's true. I I, I definitely agree with it more for Josh Taylor uh, than I do for for Ramirez. And um, yeah, but the, the, well, Ramirez, he Ramirez has would've... unfinished business. I yeah. think if he beats Josh Taylor, I think he still can stick around at 140 because he could fight Progress and he could fight other guys. You know, it's unfinished business there. You know, uh, yeah. leaving the 140 division without fighting Regas, uh, to me, it doesn't make sense because there are other fights there that he could still that that's very sellable and he could fill yeah. up the arena in Fresno, California. Absolutely. That's what Usyk did. Uh, sorry, Umanka. Usyk, when he won the tournament, yeah. I forgot he actually fought Tony Bellu, who still was conceived right. uh, a top top five, I believe, uh, cruiserweight, maybe even top three, because the other guys all took yeah. losses. I personally think probably mm-hmm. top five is me. But if uh, Ramirez wins, I, I think he should stick around and fight Progre. Yeah. But it depends what happens now, because if he's fighting Catterall, I think that Josh Taylor fight then means we'll be pulled back to maybe mid to late uh, 2021. I basically think it'd be better if they both these guys is fighting next, but it depends what they want to do. If they don't want to risk losing that belt, then they'll have to fight uh, Catrell unless they could pay some step-aside money. But I do think uh, top rank and Bob Arum, uh, uh signed Taylor, thinking that if he beats Ramirez, they want to put him in with Crawford. Uh, I, I think Josh Taylor would have a better chance against Crawford than Ramirez. Uh, I think Ramirez uh, will get beaten by Crawford. I can't see him beating Crawford. I think that'll be a mismatch. Yeah. Well, we got to see Ramirez how Ramirez is... looks against Taylor before we start making that. Yeah. I, I, I'm still. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's see how he looks. It could be a completely different fight um, than you know than it than what we saw on Saturday night with Jose Ramirez versus uh, Victor Postal, it could be completely different. Styles make fights. So I still, I'm still, I'm still up in the air with that. I'm not sure if, you know, I agree with you guys. He is a bit smaller, but I want to see what he does with Taylor. If he cannot handle Taylor and, and, and move him around and bully him a bit, then I, I would be on board with that. I would say, yeah, you know, um, he shouldn't do it. But at the end of the day, it's not our decision. You know what I mean? A perfect world that he should stick around at 140. If he wins that title, against uh, Josh Taylor and face the other guys there in that division. I'd like to see that happen. Why not stick around, you know? Can I say this? Uh, another thing we've got to factor. I know Styles make fights, and I hate to use in triangle theories, but when Crawford mm-hmm. fought Postel, 
2016, I believe he dropped him a couple of times and won about, I believe it was at least eight or nine rounds, maybe even more. I think some people had it 10, 10 rounds to Crawford, but that was about four, maybe over four years ago. And Taylor, when he fought uh, Postol, that was a couple of years ago as well. They both dropped, uh, what's his name, right. Postol, and I thought beat, beat, uh, beat Postol a lot more emphatically than uh, Ramirez. Although the Postal-Taylor fight was closer than the scorecard suggested. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Ramirez is maybe not as good as some people think or maybe it might be having some problems stylistically because the Zapeda fight, I thought that he definitely could have lost or at least it should have been a draw. And this fight, I think you could make an argument it could have been a draw. I don't think it was a robbery or anything like that, but I'm not sure because Postal, he's been very inactive himself. Like, yeah. And he's right, 37. That's true. He's 37. Yeah, and he was, fly, he, as he was, he was like flying that. all over the world, as they said in the telecast. You know, between yeah. Ukraine, China, Ukraine, uh, Los Angeles, Ukraine, uh, Las Vegas. Like, he was constantly having flight, uh, making flights and having his training interrupted. Exactly. Yep, you know, not to put out there, uh, Timo uh, Fimo Lopez pulls off the upset against Lomo. That's a massive fight there for Ramirez, you know, or even for oh, uh, Josh Taylor. That's a good point. That's an awesome fight. Yeah, great, great. And he fight said there. that he's struggling to make weight and that he wants to move up, uh, Taylor Fimo. Exactly. So that, yep. that's definitely a big fight. Before you go, Hamid, what did you think of uh, Dubois' performance over the over the weekend? Uh, I thought there was a good. Uh... Couldn't knock out, but I thought he was a bit stiff. But the guy he was fighting was like, uh, how do I put it? No <laughs> hooper. Like, I, yeah. I do think Dubois is a slight favorite against Joe Joyce, although I don't think that's right. a foregone conclusion. I'm not sure if Dubois got a gas tank for 12 rounds, but I do think that's a we fight where we'll determine how good... Yeah, that's a fight yeah. will determine how good uh, both guys are. Although I think we've seen a lot more of Joe Joyce... Uh, before I go, I just wanted to ask both of you guys, how do you see the Teofimo Lopez Lomachenko fight now uh, with the more was it six, seven weeks out or whatever? I, I, I can't remember when the fight is, but initial thoughts, do you think do you think is a closer fight than some people think, or do you think Lopez is live? I've seen some people think Lopez is going to walk through him, where other people think it might be one or two fights too early. Amilcar, you want to go first with this one? Yeah, you know, it's tough to say. I, I, we talked about this, I think, about three weeks ago, where right. I essentially said that I think that Lomachenko's, box, Lomachenko's boxing ability is is next level, and he's still not, you know, fully past it in terms of his prime. Um, I know he's not the biggest, but I do think that his, his boxing abilities is there. And that if he stays focused and doesn't get dropped the way he did uh, against Linares, that I see him at this point winning the fight. Hmm. You know, I, I, again, I'm still trying to play it in my head. I still need more time to kind of look at both guys. And, you know, I, I think this is a much, more harder fight to to predict because even though Lopez has shown us he's got, you know, great power, you know, Lomachenko has shown us that when he needs to turn it on, he turns it on. You know, um, they both got excellent footwork. Uh, Lopez knows how to leverage, I think, a little bit more when he throws, you know, when he when he commits to his punches. And I think that with that being said, that Lomachenko may take advantage of that. You know, when you suck in the younger lion that has no fear because he hasn't had a taste of, you know, loss or, or, or been roughed up, and I think he's been in competitive fights. But he I has. think that the trick, the trick to trick in the bags for uh, uh, Lomo is still a lot more, um, you know. So I, to me, it's just a closer fight. I'm not sure well, yet who I'm going to pick. But I think it's a far you know, more closer fight. I mean, the reason I, I at this point I'm saying Loma is because during the Nakatami fight, I just saw Lopez that was kind of out of ideas. And, 
you know, wasn't really able to make significant adjustments. And trust me, Lomachenko is going to force him to make not one adjustment, but three, four, five, or six. The the, the uh, uh, Tommy fight, though, I mean, he was a taller guy. Loma's not that tall. Yeah. You know, I I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be competitive. I see it being competitive. What are you saying, the thing, though, though, I agree with the Milka and you, and I know what you're both saying. The thing, though, and all Nakatani was doing was stepping back. I don't know, uh, that night, uh, I, I believe the Maxim Dadashev did pass away. It was a weird night where I, I don't believe the atmosphere in the arena would have been good. So I'm not sure that could have been an off night. The opponent was a lot taller, but I see it like this. Uh, at the moment, I'm not sure. I do think Lomachenko obviously is a heavy favorite on paper, but if it's a competitive fight hmm. and it goes really late and Lopez is hanging in, in there with him, I believe uh, Lomachenko could get old overnight if this is a fight where he could lose because uh, right. he's been getting touched up a lot at lightweight. On the flip side, uh, I believe this is a big jumping class for Lopez. This could be as big as jumping class for when Canelo fought Mayweather. On the also flip side, I've got to say in defense, so is Lomachenko is very offensive uh, minded fighter, so is Lopez. So I'm not sure if uh, maybe Loma just was struggling with guys who are defensive, and maybe this could be a perfect style matchup, but it's definitely an intriguing fight. Uh, but I've got to jump off, man. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, Both brother. Guys. I appreciate it. I'll speak to you guys soon. Thanks, man. No worries, man. <clears throat> right, guys, don't forget to hit the uh the like button, and subscribe to the channel, and uh, and as well as uh, hit that little bell so you're notified here on the show. We got to get going, man. You know we started late, uh, but we uh, it's it's pretty late up in New York, and uh, a little car's got to get going. Um, but just yep. really quick, my final thought about Lomachenko and uh, and and Lopez. With Lomachenko, again, I I'm still not going to give you my pick yet, but I'm going to give you some uh, some things that I am looking at. Is that Lomachenko, though, is a very intelligent guy where he knows what you, what you bring to the table. What's your best punch? And, you know, uh, Lopez sometimes kind of relies on that big power behind that right hand. If he could eliminate and nullify that right hand and, and really kind of drag him into those mid-rounds, because those four, four or five rounds, to me, is very crucial for Lomachenko. He's got to be on his toes against Lopez. And, you know... Lopez brings a lot. I know he may be the, the, the fresher guy, the newer guy and everything, but I think that his youth is going to come into play a lot. He's explosive, and he comes down that pipe pretty fast, you know. Anyways, as always, guys, it's fun to have you guys on here on Leave the Ring. We'll see you guys Monday here again, and we'll be back again at 5 p.m., uh, uh, hopefully. If not, it'll be 6 p.m., but 5 p.m. Pacific time and 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, as always, uh, drink, don't drink and drive because you will spill a beer. You guys have a great night. Thanks, Dave. You too. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.